the Diocese of Churches for the Sake of Others, is pleased to present the C4SO Podcast, a place to celebrate the voices and values of C4SO, a diocese of the Anglican Church in North America, led by Bishop Todd Hunter. You can learn more about us at c4so.org. Hey, everybody. Welcome once again to the C4SO podcast. I'm your host, Ben Sternke, and today we are focusing on another one of the questions from Bishop Todd's Remissioned Church Initiative for 2022, uh, which uh, has to do with this. In 2022, our mission field has changed from, uh, it seems, just a few years ago and will continue to change uh, with um, the landscape of politics, COVID, sexuality and gender norms, social justice issues, all of these kinds of things. In the midst of all of them, what does it look like for us to pursue faithful, effective, contextualized kingdom ministry uh, during these times? So the way that we're doing this is asking C4SO leaders how they are returning to the basics in 2022 exegeting their mission fields, raising up new leaders, engaging their communities in conversations about faith, and more. So several weeks ago, we started this series by talking with the very Reverend Gare Jones, lead pastor of Vintage Church in LA, uh, about how their mission field has changed over the last two years. You can go back into the archives and listen to that one if you haven't yet. Uh, And then a few weeks ago, we talked with uh, Patrick Wildman and Beth Dixon at Christ Church in Overland Park about how they're using Alpha to lead their churches, uh, to lead their church to engage in conversations about faith. And so today is the third time, the third uh, of this series, and we have a new question to address and a new guest to address it. Our guest today is the Reverend Kevin Miller, who is the rector at Church of the Savior in Wheaton, Illinois. Uh, He had a previous life as an editor and vice president of Christianity Today for 26 years, Uh, and he's also the co-founder of PreachingToday.com and CTPastors.com. Kevin, welcome back to the C4SO podcast. Good to be back, Ben, and uh, yeah, I love the job you do, and I listen to most episodes, so. Yeah, well, well, uh, thank you for that. That's encouraging. Um, Is there anything else you would like us to know about you before we get started? Uh, well, I'm I'm married, and my wife Karen, uh, who's a leadership coach, mm-hmm. uh, is also the associate rector at Savior. Okay. So we kind of do the team leadership thing. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. I yeah. Know, I know what that's about as well. Not not with a spouse, but uh, my my co pastors sometimes feel like ministry spouses, if you will. Yeah, work spouse. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Very good. Uh, well, it's great to have you back uh, on the podcast. Uh, it's been a while. I think, uh, what, what did we talk about last time? I'm trying to remember. I mean, you've been on the um, uh, you've been on the cycle of prayer, obviously. Yeah, I know um, I've been on cycle of prayer. I'm not sure if I've joined. Before did we talk or about not. preaching? I think we might have talked about preaching. Uh, could be. That's one of my know. favorite subjects. Yeah. Well, I don't know. We'll have to see. Well, maybe have to go back through the archives um, and figure that out. But anyway, it's good to have you on the podcast again. Um, here is the question that we are going to be thinking about for today. And again, these questions come to us from uh, Bishop Todd uh, early in the year. Wanted us to focus on these questions and think about them for 2022. The question is this, since church planting is in C4SO's DNA, how are you preparing for your next church plant? How are you rethinking church planting for your current context? And so those are kind of two inter 
related questions. Um, and I wonder if we could start uh, with, with you, Kevin, to talk about you guys recently planted a church, um, yep. Christ Our Peace in Oak Park, Illinois. Maybe you could just tell us a, a little bit about that process. Um, t- before we talk about your next church plant, we can maybe talk about your past church plant. Um, yeah, just tell us what that, what that was like and, and the process you went through to, to plant Christ Our Peace. Yeah. Well, as in most of these situations, I guess, or church plants, you, several things come together and sort of like each is a star and ultimately you start to see, <coughs> excuse me, constellation. Okay. So here's some of the stars we had. <clears throat> One, we saw Sandy Richter's gifts. Um She's just an incredible pastor and human being, and we knew she was going to pastor her neighbors and friends Mm. uh, the rest of her life, whether she was ever formally released as a church planter or not. So that was one, just a clear, clear sense of Sandy's gifts. The second thing was Savior has a real um, commitment to what I call relational ministry or maybe pastor-sized communities where... If you don't know everybody's name, you know almost everybody's name, and <laughs> you can, you're only one point of separation right. from the person you need to get to. So, I see. you yeah. know, uh, we, we really love that. I, I, I've been influenced a lot by Malcolm Gladwell's rule of 150 in the tipping points. Yes. Yeah, I've heard of that. Yes. And uh, so, anyway, that kind of size is very important to us because it, makes certain things easier that we highly value. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, what? now to get to my point, (laughs) as I talked with the leaders at Savior and said, hey, folks, if if we were to grow in in worship attendance, how do you want to handle that? Like, what's your vision? And this after I, Karen and I came about five, six years ago now, and I laid out six models that I've seen in other churches and how they've kind of responded to that. Mm-hmm. And they all looked at the list and said, we, we want to plan other churches that also create the kind of relational vibe that we so love here. Mm. So therefore, our vision is not to become try to become a medium-sized church or a large church, nothing wrong with those. We just didn't have the, the passion and energy uh, given our values and context. And so... Mm-hmm. Uh, what that meant was I said, well, friends, then that means we're going to be planting. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And then the third thing that came to play was, uh, Karen and I just love raising up leaders and giving them opportunities. Hmm. And, and so all those things kind of coalesced. I remember one day Karen and I were sitting at our kitchen table with Sandy and Sandy was talking about how much she loved savior and loved the model of ministry she had been taking in there. And yet how much she loved where she lived in Oak Park and loved her neighbors and just wished that she had a place to connect more deeply with them. Mm -hmm. And so finally I looked at her, I said, well, Sandy, why would you not plant a church in Oak Park? Mm. Instead of like, why would you? Why would you not? (laughs) And there was a long pause. And I just think in the pause, we all heard the voice of the Lord like, Mm. yeah, here, here I am and here you are. Yeah. Let's do this thing. And uh, so it all started rolling. Hmm. What, uh, for, for those uh, who may not be familiar uh, with the Chicago suburbs, how far is Oak Park from uh, Wheaton? 
about 40 minutes, 45 minutes. Okay. Um, I mean, yeah. if there's no traffic, you could pull it off in 30, 35, but there's always traffic. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's Chicago, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. And also, Oak Park is a very different vibe from Wheaton. Wheaton has a mm. long evangelical uh, pedigree and influence in its culture okay. um, because of the college here yeah. and a number of Christian ministries that were here. Mm-hmm. Um, but Oak Park is very kind of secular. It's it's the land I of see. you know Ernest Hemingway and mm-hmm. uh, and it's folks who are doing well in life without God. And so it's a completely different context in which to do our work. And Sandy wanted to do it there. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm hearing you name a sense of call, um, a a recognizing of gifts, um, and sort of this uh, discernment that happens as you begin to talk about together about... um, about those things, um, a sense of call yeah. and, and God's gifts. And so these two areas geographically separated, but also culturally very different that, that may demand different approaches and philosophy and, and, you know, just different kinds of, um, texture to the ministry, um, yeah. which makes, makes a lot of sense. Um, what, uh, in general, what have you learned, I guess, during this, during this process? I, I'm assuming, you know, um, there's things that you might do differently perhaps next time, um, but maybe not. I mean, maybe this felt like uh, this is the way we want to do uh, each of these church plants. But I mean, just maybe say a little bit about what you've learned and maybe what you would do differently, um, if if anything, for next time. Well, being a baby boomer, I was <laughs> drinking deeply from the wells of the church growth movement back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I've, I've spent some time rethinking some things. But yeah. I still had in the back of my mind those sort of size plateaus of 40 and 70 and 200 and 400 and 800. And, you know, I, I, I'd i been to the seminar. I had the chart and the notes. Yeah. And yeah. and so I was really thinking from the get-go, like, hey, we, we should really send off at least 70 people so that there's already a, a critical mass beyond those first two thresholds. That was kind of where I was, where I was, and um, and I was listening actually to a British church planter who's done a lot of church plants, and he said something on the on the podcast that he said, "Hey, you know what I've learned? It doesn't take a large group. What it really takes is the right leader. When you've got a leader with a heart for God and a heart for that community, you don't need a whole lot of other people. That will come." And so I just felt like, "Wow, Sandy and Ian are right." And they already had a lot of people around them who were like, if you go, we'll go. Um, and and so that's one thing I've learned is uh, hmm. get get the numbers out of your head um, hmm. and, and just follow the spirit with the right leader and the right call. Hmm. Um, so that's it. Uh, yeah. I would say another thing I've learned is it does take time. Um, Churches run smaller these days in America. All the data is very clearly showing that. Mm-hmm. And so to just to build the infrastructure and everything you've got to do takes time. So our commitment to Christ Our Peace, uh, which is the plant in Oak Park, is a five-year commitment. So we are still um, helping support them financially, and we're still providing legal oversight. Okay. And we are now uh, working together on an on-ramp to full independence for them, which we hope will happen in January of 24. 
So wow. what okay. is that like? Uh, eight, over, twenty months over from 18 now. Eighteen months. Yeah, yeah. yeah, twenty months. So uh, don't I don't think of this as like a two-year thing window mm-hmm. or a three-year window. I really think we ought to look at long-term commitments if we're doing these kind of mother-daughter um, yeah. planting. Yeah. So. Hey, everybody. It's time once again for the C4SO Cycle of Prayer Spotlight, where we highlight the specific ministries that we're praying for uh, right now in our diocesan cycle of prayer. And this week, we're praying for Redeemer Anglican Church in Santa Cruz, California, led by the Reverend Rob Patterson. And he has joined us to share briefly about what's going on right now and how we can pray specifically for them. Rob, welcome back to the C4SO Cycle of Prayer Spotlight. Thanks, Ben. It's good to be with you. Uh, What is something that you're encouraged by right now at Redeemer? I think for me, as we're kind of like emerging from pandemic ministry, things are kind of changing a little bit at this point. Mm -hmm. Something that I'm super encouraged about is how the church is regathering. Mm -hmm. During the pandemic, for us in Santa Cruz, Something that had happened that I don't know if this is unique to us or if this is for everybody, but in Santa Cruz, 40% of our church moved out of state. Like the pandemic signaled something that was already going on in in them. Maybe like, we got to get out of here. It's too expensive or Mm -hmm. something going on. And so 40% moved out of of California. And we were like, well, what does this mean? And so as Mm -hmm. we kind of emerge from this pandemic ministry setting and the church gets to regather, what I've been super encouraged by is that we're growing in community and in fellowship in ways Mm. that are new. We've Mm -hmm. had some classes. We've been really intentional about lunches after our service on Sundays. Mm. We just had a camping trip with our college ministry on the UCSC campus, University of California, Santa Cruz campus. And all of these things have just been really sweet. People are really hungry to be together. And so mm. I'm just like praising God for a community that I like being a part of, a community that if I were I not the pastor, I would still want to be a part of the community. Yeah, that's a gift. That's yeah. a gift. That's lovely. What's a, what's a challenge that uh, y'all are facing right now that you're wanting to share? Our challenge us? feels like super classic. We mm. need kids volunteers. Yes. (laughs) Who has them all? (laughs) Yeah. Where did they go? Uh, We're we're, uh, hiring right now a new children's director. Our our Mm -hmm. position is small. It's like a 10 hour a week position. The person who's Mm -hmm. been with us has been super faithful. So great. The pandemic is like provided, you know, given such weird opportunities to be like, how do we reach out to kids? How do we minister to kids? And he's yeah. he's stepping down now. He's got other things going on in life that mm-hmm. we're super grateful for him. And now we're like, well, we need a new children's director and we need just volunteers to take care of these kids who we yeah. love so much. So that's like a real challenge because everybody's tired or everybody's like mm-hmm. feeling that need to reconnect. Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah. yeah. So yeah, then like sense. going and helping kids feels maybe counterintuitive for some yeah. folks. So we're mm-hmm. needing to navigate that. Yes. Well, we're in the same boat. So if you figure that one out or if God answers your <laughs> prayers, uh, pray for us. So, <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, thanks for joining us uh, to share just a little bit about what's going on, Rob. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's fun. Listeners, if you'd like to find more, uh, find out more about Redeemer or to contribute to their work, check out the link in the show notes. I do think there, uh, because culture is changing so quickly, that I think a lot of those old models that, you know, it's like, oh, this just works. The math works. If you do things, you know, here's your 15 point checklist. This always works. And I think, you know, I mean, we could debate what we mean by works, right? Um, when, when it comes to that kind of church planting, um, which I, I'm probably inclined to do. Um, but even now, the num- even now, those numbers are not working as much. The math oh. doesn't work the way it used to yeah. um, because things are changing so rapidly. And so I, I appreciate that um, kind of like, you know, there's no magic number that means it's automatically going to do well. Um, but, but then also just this long-term commitment to seeing them thrive instead of, you know, like here, here's a little bit of money and a couple people and good luck out there. Um, but this <laughs> long-term partnership, um, I think, uh, is also, uh, really encouraging and needed, uh, I yeah. think, uh, as an approach. So, um, what about, what about the pandemic? Um, I don't know what the timing was here. If you, if you guys were beginning to discern, uh, Christ our peace before the pandemic. Um, oh, well, we or, have we have a pr- terrific sense of timing, Ben. We uh-huh. we launched Sandy in uh, February of 2020. Okay, yeah, great. <laughs> That's very good. One of those church plants. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is all as we had foreseen. Yes, and then yes, the yes. pandemic hit, and all the Boom. core group meetings had to like go to oh, Zoom man. or stop. Oof. And and to yeah. be honest, there were a lot of people who who were like. Oh, this means you're not going to be able to plant, right? I mean, nobody plants in a pandemic. What are you right. thinking? Right. Um, but you know what we discovered is that it slowed the process, but it didn't stop it. Mm. Yeah. That's when good. when God is starting to gather people uh, around a vision and a leader and a place and a calling, that's going to yeah. keep happening, and there uh, there will be ways that will be discovered even in the midst of limitation. And so mm-hmm. it did slow the process though. So um, so the Christ Our Peace real launch uh, mm-hmm. service happened um, late fall of 2021. Okay. So not two years later, but maybe one and two thirds years later. Mm-hmm. And it probably would have been sooner than that. Right, uh, if there would have been, yeah, just yeah. a bit more. Yeah, ability to focus on some of those things. That, that's the general sense I get about a lot of things. Um, we felt that at our church. You know, our church had been planted for a few years when the pandemic hit, but it did feel like, you know, for a season, our community was, it felt on pause. You know, God was still at work, obviously, but um, a lot of the growth yeah. trajectories and different things like that ended up sort of being interrupted and having to restart later, you know, under different conditions. Um, yeah. So. Well, that's been our story too, as the mother church. Yeah, our sense yeah. of community was was deeply interrupted, mm. and uh, I felt honestly it was this Holy Week where I finally felt it really coming back together again. Yeah, yeah, I, we had the same sense at our church. Just incidentally, just this past Holy Week, uh, the services and our Easter celebration was—I don't know—it felt like the the crossing of some sort of threshold of like, okay. Yeah. Okay. It felt like a collective sigh of relief or something. Yeah. 
Yeah, it really did. So, and I, you know, I mean, we're not out of the woods, uh, as they say. Um, so we'll see what happens with future spikes and variants and all of that kind of thing. But something we're, we're rejoicing at anyway, um, for last weekend. So, um, I wonder too, like, has the pandemic changed, you know, as we turn to the future now, um, you guys are, I mean, you guys are probably right in the middle of, like you said, that uh, Christ Our Peace isn't going to be sort of fully launched, quote unquote, until 2024. But um, has the pandemic changed anything for you about your approach to future church plants? I wouldn't say the pandemic has, but Mm -hmm. I would say um, I have a greater appreciation now for not only how much adjustment happens in the young church plant itself, which, as you guys well know, goes Mm -hmm. through stages, often rapidly, often very disorienting. Often the people that were super close are not as close in. It's just, it's complicated, right? And so, uh, but what I didn't fully appreciate was all the adjusting that was going to happen in the mother church. Hmm. I mean, our attendance was about 140, I think, when we sent off the Christ Our Peace group, which was just a little over 20. Okay. And so when you say goodbye to 20 people out of 140, you feel it. Um, yeah. And not only yeah. that, but these were these were like people that we love and, and are going to miss mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. dearly. So, uh, in fact, actually, it just so happened that in that core team went several of our best veteran long-term children's ministry leaders and we still have not fully, you know, uh, been able to raise up a team yeah. that was it, it, that is as uh, extensive as that was before mm. they left. We're also yeah. honestly adjusting financially. Um, mm. The Christ Our Peace folks represented about uh, somewhere between fifteen and twenty percent of our annual income, okay. and so. Uh, in a time when expenses go up every year, and right now they're going up more rapidly because of inflation, mm-hmm. um, you're saying, okay, how are we gonna do this now, um, given this adjustment? So yeah. nobody's yeah. upset about it, it's just, it, but it is, it takes time. Yeah. And so yeah. I would say right now, we're not ready yet for our next plan. Mm-hmm. Um, we're still uh, kind of coming back together as a community, figuring out who we are now and mm-hmm. getting ready. Yeah. But I think uh, we will honestly be very open to the next one, and I can talk about why if you want to do that. Sure, yeah, go go for it. Well, to be in C4SO uh, and, and have any interest in church planning, all the wind's at your back. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, you've got a culture that is like where there's so many people you can talk to about it, and learn from and see yeah. how they do, they've done it, and and so that's fantastic. You have a bishop who uh, is really personally passionate, has done it, mm-hmm. and and knows how hard it is. Well, that's fantastic to have that. So there's just so much yeah. culture of support. The second thing you have is you have a steady, regular flow of funding for it because. The diocese under Bishop Todd has said, we won't, don't send us 10% like is customary. Send us five and put the other five into a local mission fund. So that's that's the fund we've been drawing yeah. on to support yeah. Christ our peace. And that's the fund that's going to be there for the next one. Mm-hmm. So that's huge. Yeah. Um, and so then if you have any 
additional uh, kind of connecting points in your local context. For example, being in Wheaton as we are, we have a lot of people who come to Wheaton for publishing or come to Wheaton for the college. And so we tend to get these kind of literate, Anglican-oriented Christian leaders who are interested in doing ministry in that way. And so um, we do have that additional advantage kind of built into our context. So when you put all that together, you kind of go, no, we don't have a definite plan for our next plant, but we have an openness. And um, we know that at the right time, you know, that'll come along. Yeah. And I feel like the other thing that I hear you name there is there there's structurally not just a not just a attitudinal openness, but a structural plan for creating the, you know, the five percent, you know, is is just like, well, that's that's just money that's going to accrue. And this is there's there's actually resources being allocated for this, you know, this question mark out in the future. Who knows who's going to lead it or where it's going to be or we'll see what God does, but um, you're already beginning to think along those lines um, with, with the resources and with the way that you're structuring things and, and raising up leaders. And so I think that's, that's yeah. really key um, and really helpful. Well, and even when we planted Christ Our Peace, Ben, we, we called it our first church plant. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> we were constantly signaling, yeah. uh, this is not a one and done for us. Right. So this is not a Sandy so amazing we have to do this, although that's true. Mm-hmm. It's it was saying, this is part of how we live our life here yeah. at Savior. Yeah. Um, and so that said, I think I could do a little better job doing some vision cast around church planting. Mm. I've had some good vestry conversations over the years, but I don't think the typical person in the pew, if you went and asked them, why does this church care about church planting? I don't know that I've done a good job of providing them mm. uh, with a way to think about that. Yeah, so maybe a, a bit more vision to the whole congregation uh, may yeah. be helpful for. And I think too that that it strikes me that that because there are these necessary challenges and and grief, you know, as you named that you walk through when you say goodbye to people, um, and you know all of that kind of thing. And so I think because because this is sort of this bittersweet activity, right? It's it's wonderful to multiply. It's wonderful to send people out. It's wonderful to see a new expression of God's kingdom in a new neighborhood, a new geographic area, et cetera. Um, but it hurts as well to say goodbye to people. And it, it hurts to, you know, have to uh, work work things out on a lower budget. It hurts to say goodbye to leaders. Um, and all of that, th- all that stuff is real. We can't pretend it's not part of it. But I think the vision being strong is part of what propels us through the, that grieving process and what, what makes the, the pain of that process feel worthwhile, you know, in the end. Yeah, that's so true. Like recently, I like one of the, the great opportunities that Christ Our Peace has is Oak Park is immediately adjacent to Chicago. Mm. And uh, Chicago is one of the most racially separated yes. uh, ch- cities in the entire country. And there's a lot of reasons for that historically. And um, and so Sandy and the whole core team have had a passion from the get-go of working creatively to kind of walk across bridges and build mm-hmm. relationships. And yeah. so um, on Martin Luther King Day this year, um, Christ Our Peace and their host church, Boulevard Presbyterian, um, and which is a 
largely white church, mm-hmm. and then a black Pentecostal church that also rents space in that building, plus an African-American church in Chicago in the Lawndale neighborhood on the west side. All those four churches came together for an MLK symposium oh, really? and 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 sat down and, and, and talked honestly about what is racial justice look like in America today and what can mm. Christians contribute and wow. and when when I heard what that was like as an experience uh, from Sandy and others who were in our church plant, my heart just swelled with joy. I said, Sandy, this is a miracle. Where mm. else in America are white Christians and black Christians sitting down together and having listening, learning, respectful dialogue with a spirit of of uh, graciousness um, and, and and not caricature and not all the crazy that happens on social media and in politics and all that. Mm. I said, this is a work of God. Uh, and I was so happy because it was like, I felt like I was going to my daughter's like, you know, band concert or something, <laughs> something amazing <laughs> art show that yeah. she, she had done, you know, and, yeah. and clapping. Yeah. And, and yeah. I was like, that's incredible. Mm. And so that's what you have to look for is the moments yeah. of joy Mm-hmm. in the new work yeah. and, 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 and cheering on things that they're able to do that maybe you in your context aren't yeah. doing or weren't doing or whatever. Yeah. 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 That's wonderful. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that. That's, that's a great uh, testimony to the different, yeah, the different kind of ministry that um, I think feels, you know, probably more contextually appropriate and necessary uh, in Oak Park. So yeah. Um, yeah, this has been great, uh, Kevin. I appreciate you sharing along these lines. Um, uh, we're going to conclude. I'm going to ask you two questions that we're asking everybody on the C4SO podcast this year. If you've been listening to episodes, you'll know what they are. But uh, I, I always try to surprise people with these questions. Um, the first question is this. What is a, what's a book, a movie, or a TV show that you've appreciated recently? Well, uh during the uh, later stages of the pandemic, the Boba Fett series was released. Mm-hmm. And it's all about trying to govern and be a leader in contexts that are constantly <laughs> changing and fighting you on that. Yeah. At yeah. least that's the way I read it. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. If Mandalorian was about being a, a father, becoming a father uh-huh. <laughs> or a parent, Boba mm-hmm. Fett was about becoming a leader. I've heard good and, things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and a couple episodes, I just laughed out loud. And my wife, who's not into kind of uh, sci-fi mm-hmm. gore, uh, <laughs> bless her. She's such a wonderful human being in so many ways, mm-hmm. but not that. So <laughs> I, I, but once one episode, I just laughed out loud and said, "Hun, this is exactly how I feel as a leader so many times. Wow. And so, yeah, that was that was a good one for me. All right. Very good. Well, maybe I'll have to check it out. I haven't seen that one, but I've heard good things. Uh, the second question, uh, Kevin, is how, how can we pray for you? Well, uh, actually, pray for um, uh, for my health and my wife's. I have Parkinson's, so I'm praying for slow progression of symptoms. I'd love to be able to minister a long, long mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do have the reality of symptoms to manage. Yeah. Um, and then this year is just a crazy rainstorm of orthopedic issues at the Miller household. So on Monday, uh, my wife is going to get 
the right knee replaced. Oh. In July, I'm going to get my right hip replaced. Oh, wow. And then in okay. August, Karen's going to get the left knee replaced. So wow. our world will be walkers and canes yes, for a while. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so y'all pray for that, please. Yes. Yes. Well, definitely. Thank you for sharing it with us. Um, and thank you for sharing your experience and wisdom with us about church planting today, Kevin. It was great to, great to be with you. Glad to join you, Ben. Blessings. Uh, we'll be doing more of these kinds of podcasts in the future uh, with other leaders in C4SO, offering reflections on each of the questions that Bishop Todd has asked us to consider. So watch for those coming over the next few months. Uh, Kevin, I wonder if you would pray a blessing over our diocese before we go. Hmm. Father, bless our, our bishop on his sabbatical, that he could truly, deeply rest and hear your call for these legacy years of his life. And bless our, our, our diocese and her leaders who are working hard in his absence. And bless each person connected to C4SO that they would be faithful and fruitful despite the many challenges and that through the work of your spirit, they would begin to see the creative opportunities that are always there for those who trust in the risen Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of the C4SO podcast. We hope you enjoyed our conversation. Email us your thoughts and suggestions at connect at c4so.org.